You are listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. This is a podcast about maternal mental health. Disclaimer, we are not professionals. We are moms who've experienced this ourselves and want to share our stories and stop the stigma. Heads up, some content may be triggering. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and more. Hey everybody, it's Leslie and Lindsay, and we are here with Mary. Hi. Um, She's going to share her story with us. Mary and I have known each other for a long time to someone I've looked up to for a very long time. So thank you so much for doing this. I'm just very happy to be here. I'm thrilled with what you're doing, Leslie. And I have looked up to you as well. I don't know how that works. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's exactly what I love. I love people that I connect with that we both kind of see the good in each other and get the good out of each other. So thank you. Um, So start with how many kids do you have? Okay, um, that's a really complicated question. (laughs) So I have four biological children and I have five, I had five stepchildren. I now have three stepchildren um, and there's lots of complicated marriages and divorces mixed up in there. Mm -hmm. And when did you experience postpartum? I, I think looking back, I probably experienced a little bit of postpartum after every one of the kids that I had, mm-hmm. but it was really bad with the last one. Really? Yeah. My my second child was the first time I really, and I didn't know what it was. I thought it just meant I was a bad person. So my second baby was born, I had been in labor for 26 hours. It She was born in a military hospital, so military doctors kept coming in and out and saying, this cadet wants to see how dilated you are, and just be, oh. it was awful I finally threw something at one of them and then they didn't bring any more in and she was finally born and I was really sick when she was born and I sent her away because I I I had lost a bunch of blood and I felt terrible and I just just go go take care of her and I went back to my room and I didn't call for her for like 10 hours oh my gosh and I felt to this day I have felt guilty about that like I was this bad mother didn't love my baby and I was in my room just crying because my first baby was with a babysitter by herself and I had never been away from her and now I've got this new baby and I'm completely inadequate and she's in the nursery and I'm too tired to even call for her and yeah I I have been haunted by that memory for a long long time until I started learning more about this whole postpartum depression thing and realizing that perhaps I was going through something more than just being a bad mother (laughs) did you tell anybody at that point not a soul I've never told a soul I've never told my daughter Oh my gosh. If you're listening to this, I love you, sweetheart. And I loved you the moment they brought you to me. Oh, that's why we get to share this because yeah. of those kids out there. And I was oh, terrified yeah. to share this because of my son, but that's, they get to know that it's something that takes over. That's not your yeah. heart, you know? It, not at all my heart. Not at all. Mm-hmm. And it just, yeah, it's like you're not you. And I wish I would have realized. So time went on. Then I had another baby and then I ended up getting a nasty divorce and then got remarried again and had all these kids and the marriage was very stressful it was really hard on my kids I was at the point where I was thinking about leaving with my girls and then I got pregnant and when I get pregnant I get really really sick like the whole time sick throwing up I can't eat I eat white rice and water I can't eat butter I can't eat salt the whole time the whole time when I delivered my last baby I weighed probably 15 pounds less than when I got pregnant with her oh my god and she weighed 10 pounds 
So wow, yeah, it was. It's so I was big as everything house. you took in was going directly to yeah. her. Yeah, it was. So she was born, and I was absolutely exhausted. And it, we were in this terrible living situation. We had gotten kicked out of our house. We were living in a trailer in a trailer park, in a motorhome, and it wasn't big enough for all of our kids. So my girls, all three of them, who I had never really been apart from, got sent to live with my mother. And so I'm here in this trailer with my husband and his two of his sons. Both of they're dear people, but they were very, very rowdy. And our dog. Yeah. Mm. Oh man. Yeah. So when I delivered the baby, we got in the pickup truck with the dog and the two stepsons and drove to the hospital. It was like Beverly Hillbillies, (laughs) and delivered this baby. And it was okay right after the delivery, which was really unusual for me. I was actually awake and aware and happy to have the baby. But then as soon as they let me out of the hospital, which is like in 37 seconds, Mm. I was home in this trailer without my girls, with these rowdy boys and my husband going off to work every day for 12 hours. And I had this little baby and she was just beautiful and perfect and very, very colicky. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah. How was your delivery really quick? Oh, it was crazy. Um. Uh, my husband said to me at about 10 o'clock at night, um, are you having that baby? And I said, no, no, I'm not having that baby. Yes, I'm having this baby. We raced to the hospital and they did everything they could to delay it and couldn't. And she was born within a half an hour. So it was oh wow, fast, wow. fast, fast, fast. And yeah, so the delivery was okay. And I recovered okay from that part of it, which is another reason I felt like a really bad mother when mm. I was so depressed afterwards because the delivery went great. I should have been grateful. It was easy and she came easy, but, but then I went home and just the magnitude of everything I was dealing with and the baby and everything just kind of set in and, and I cried all the time, which was really unlike me. And I slept a lot, also really unlike me. And I just had this sense that this sense of lack of control that also really unlike me and um, facing going back to work made everything worse really and so yeah I remember just begging please can I stay home I can figure out a way I can contract I used to own a business I can run a business from home my husband at that time was absolutely convinced that we would all starve to death if I quit working so there was this intense pressure to go back to work um and there's this baby who isn't eating and she's losing weight and she's it turns out she was allergic to milk so I was breastfeeding her and that wasn't working of course there you're a bad mother now you have to go to back yeah. to work and breast pump mm. which the baby won't drink anyway and it makes her sick and I mean, there's this big cycle of all of these awful things and as I'm sitting here talking about it I feel kind of silly because I know other women have gone through su- such worse situations but at the time it was I just thought it was me. Yeah. I did not realize that there were chemicals at work in my brain that were making my experience much more difficult than it needed to be. Um, I realize now, after two years of therapy, another divorce, and anxiety medication, that you don't have to live life like you're holding on with your fingernails, which I had done pretty much my whole adult life, but it was so much worse after May, after May was born. Her, her name is May. Mm. Um, she, uh, I'm, here, I emailed my daughters and asked them what they remember from that time period. They were um, 14, 12, and 10 at the time. The 10-year-old said, I don't remember anything. <laughs> um, the 14-year-old said, I remembered you were really sad all the time. 
I remember you'd never talked in the car anymore. We used to chatter in the car all the time. Yeah. I remember that the baby cried all the time, and it was my sole job to keep it from crying in the back seat when we had to drive anywhere because she would scream the second mm. you locked her in a car seat. Usually that helps colicky babies, not this one. Absolutely hated it. The only thing that made her stop crying was me standing up and holding her, oh my walking gosh. back and forth. It's the only thing that stopped her from crying. So that was Jordan. She remembered that. And then this is my middle daughter. I remember you seemed really, really tired. You looked hollowed out from the inside, but I knew you had been, so I assumed that the listlessness and the way your face was clinging to your bones was just normal. You slept more than I was used to, and I had brief moments of realization that you seemed very sad and on the verge of tears. But you still said all the happy words and did everything it seemed like you should be doing. I thought that's just how people were after having a baby. Maybe that's why I don't want one. Ugh. Very well said, too. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And she's right. And looking back now, I realize, had I sought some medical attention, my children could have had a better experience. My baby could have had a better experience. Maybe I'd have gotten my head together and gotten my marriage on a better track earlier. I don't know. All kinds of good things could have happened. What year was this? Oh, gosh. She was born in 2002. So that, that's the reason I'm here today. Yeah. Not, I normally don't talk about anything like this to anyone at all. But if there's anybody out there who could listen to this story and relate just a little bit to this and will use it as an opportunity to seek some help and seek some counseling, then I, I just want to open my mouth and say, yeah, I, I thought I was a terrible mother. I thought I was doing everything wrong. I thought my life was out of control and it was all my fault. And certainly there were things I was doing wrong but there was more at work yeah and so if you're out there listening it's not you you're a good mother you are trying to take care of your baby and no matter what is happening there are people out there that are willing to help you and I wish I I had one friend her name was Anita and she recognized what I was going through and she tried to tell me and I kind of brushed her off like you know I don't get depressed because I, I tend to be a very positive person mm -hmm. at least that's the persona I've put on my therapist has helped me figure out that that's how I deal with negative things in my life I just pretend they're not there <laughs> which is super not healthy so anyway I was doing that thing pretending it wasn't there but inside I was just ripped apart and she came over and she said you you can't live like this you've got to you've got to do something different here i bought you a professional breast pump because my husband was very tight with money and so I couldn't buy anything to help with this baby so I had a you know super cheap manual breast pump and so she brought me she said I, I bought this for you you don't owe me anything for it I want you to use this and I want you to start going for walks and take care of yourself and wow and I found out later that she sat down with my older girls and said I want you to understand that your mom is going through something very serious right now and I got her this breast pump to help her out but you guys both need to be in there helping her too which I, what I, an angel friend oh, seriously she's a doll she was a doll. That's amazing. That is incredible. How, how long did the colic last? Oh, till she was, I finally figured out at about eight months, six to eight months, she was um, allergic to dairy. So we, I stopped breastfeeding her and I took her off all formula. We put her on that ridiculously expensive gold label formula that mm. doesn't have any milk in it. Mm. Yep. And then she was fine. Really? Wow. Yeah. So all those months, I mean, she seriously screamed for six solid months. It was 
so bad. Which if you didn't have all, I mean, even if you didn't have all the things you were going through on top of that with where you were living and the other children and going back to work and not wanting to, just the colic alone. Oh, yeah. yeah, Could have been enough to put anybody over the edge. Yeah. I just, I didn't sleep very much for sure. She she really, she couldn't sleep either because... She also had chronic ear infections, so she had, I think she had 19 before she turned three. Oh, no tubes? No tubes. When oh. Ed, when she got the 19th one, they said, maybe we should think about tubes. And then he looked at her chart and said, oh, she's three. Never mind. She'll grow out of it. Okay. <gasps> wow. What? Yeah. Anyway. So. What do you feel like has changed between now and 2002 as far as just being aware of postpartum? Because I feel like even still, we're just barely on the edge of talking about it. But what mm-hmm. medically, like, do your doctor, did they ask about it? Did, was anything? Nope. Not a thing. Wow. And that was a while ago. I hope that's different now. You've it's had babies more there. recently. Is it better? Yes, it is. It's starting to get that way. Good. From the women that we've spoken to. It is getting better with the ones who have more recently mm-hmm. had babies that they are actually asked about it. And there's a little screening that a few questions that they're asked at their follow-up appointment. So that's good to hear. We want it to be every person with every yeah. appointment. Yes. And they've talked more about having it become part of the well checks with the baby because you see the pediatrician way more than you see your OB. Oh, and so yes. They're trying to get it so that the pediatricians will ask the questions to the moms at the well checks. That would so. be fantastic. Mm-hmm. We hope it goes that because way. Because I did, I took her in probably eight times for that colic. Oh, I'm I sure. Mean, had so, yeah. Plus ear infections. Yeah, the 19 year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Cow. Yeah. Oh, man. So when did you feel like it was getting a little bit better? Um, probably two years ago. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think... I separated from my husband three years ago, got some intensive therapy in the year after that, and had some intense realizations about how I've been living my life. So I think I have suffered from depression for a long time without acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. But that really intense postpartum where I just hated myself and hated my life and couldn't figure out how to make it better, it started to ease up when she hit about three so it was like the, the first three years were super, and, and I realized I brought a lot of it on myself by the way I orchestrated my life. But I, you know, I would get up at six in the morning and take her to daycare and go to work and come home from work to run other children to school and then go back to daycare and pick her up and take her home and then go back to work while the older children watched her. And so the, the whole time I just felt like I was very, very inadequate as a mother. And so every time anything happened, every time she got sick, any time she acted out, it was all oh, it's because I'm a terrible mother and I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have had this baby. I shouldn't have, what, you know, what am I putting her through? And it just, it was a lot of unnecessary angst. Mm-hmm. That's probably the most common thing we hear about. Every story is so different, but that is probably the common thing is that mom guilt. The guilt that we put ourselves through. And yeah. Which I'm listening to how well you orchestrated your life. Like, you got up at six, you took the baby to daycare, then you came home and took the other, like you had a plan. That's good. Like you were surviving in really hard circumstances and making it work. Like you've got to look at the positive side of all that you were able to accomplish through those hard, hard years. Oh, but had I been thinking with all of my faculties, I probably would have addressed all of those things in a way that was better for all of us. Because really, the reality is we were all just surviving. We were all just 
kind of barely making it and and you've been through a lot mary well a lot everybody goes through a lot that's life right (laughs) still doesn't invalidate what you've been through at all that's true you're a strong strong woman you're very kind and another thing i was going to ask um when did you were you as far as like medication goes you're saying you're Mm -hmm. you're now on medication going through therapy have you why didn't you go before did you were you against medication because a lot of people don't seek the the medical help because they don't want to have to try different medications and go through all of that or whatever so what kind of brought you to that point um you're right I am kind of a hippie person so I like essential oils and I like crystals and I like Mm -hmm. I like meditation I love all that stuff but I wasn't really against meditation per se it just never occurred to me that I might need it which shows a little bit of my arrogance and a little bit of my dysfunction so I'm I was married to a man who tries very hard but is just a little narcissistic and Mm -hmm. a little bit um victim oriented so everything's bad my life is bad and so i i i really truly loved him and wanted to make his life better and wanted to make my kids life better and i really i poured all of my energy and focus into the people around me my kids my baby my husband my work in fact it's really weird I don't know if this is common with postpartum, but I I almost had two personalities. Once I had to go back to work, I had to turn off the mom personality Mm -hmm. that was so guilt stricken and turn on the work personality. And I was, I, I had a woman come over to my house once and she knew me at work as this professional outgoing person who gets things done and is super organized. And at the time, the house that we actually moved into from the trailer wasn't much better than the trailer. It was in need of a lot of repairs. And when we moved in, the the story was we were going to repair it. And it ends up my ex-husband was really fearful about spending money. So he would never spend anything at all to update it. And like if I painted a wall or something, he'd get really angry. Mm. Um, So we put nothing into it and it had just gone downhill over the years. So this woman came to visit when May was about, I don't know, five or six. And so I was showing around, this is the garden and this is this and this is that. And she walked through my house and um, she didn't say anything at the time. But later on, I read a blog post that she wrote about these, this horrible circumstances that I lived in and this absolute opposite person that I was at home from and she wasn't being mean about it she was actually trying to be complimentary but looking at it and even at the time that I read that I didn't see that dichotomy it wasn't until much later in therapy that I realized normal people don't split into two different personalities (laughs) to handle different pieces of their life so yeah it's been a journey and so when I my I had a son commit suicide and then another his twin died of a heroin overdose not long after that and that just sent both my ex-husband now ex-husband and I off into a tailspin and and he wouldn't get counseling and I finally did get counseling and I finally just said look either we're getting counseling or I'm leaving and I ended up needing to leave Mm. and the through the counseling I was introduced to the idea of a medication and I resisted her for like a year and a half I'm not, I'm not depressed. I'm not. I'm fine. Yeah. I no. just need to talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. <sighs> but finally she convinced me. I went and talked to a psychologist, and I mean a psychiatrist, and we, she put me on a really low dose, and uh, it has made all the difference. Really? It's, I, I cannot believe I functioned for that long in that way. 
So life is much better on the other side, ladies. Doesn't mean it has to be medication, but something. Seek out something because it, it doesn't need to be that bad. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to look back and think of the times when mm-hmm. I would try to do it on my own too. Like even when I started working with you guys again, yeah. I was like, if I could just dive into my job yes. and forget about everything else in my life, I'll exactly. just be like Leslie at work. Exactly. And these guys could know the me that has my act together. Yes. And then, yeah, I totally get that. But yeah, I mean, there's, how did, how did we survive that? Like, how do you fight or flight like I don't know it doesn't like you said it doesn't have to be that hard there's things and ways and resources mm-hmm. wow you know and I'm just I'm grateful that you've been honest about how long it's taken because I think a lot of people just act like oh it's just when you have a baby and it's gone mm-hmm. some people it doesn't go away yeah some people it doesn't and I think it's or it goes from postpartum depression to just regular depression mm-hmm. and anxiety yeah mm-hmm. yep yeah yeah, I, I can't believe how many things I've learned are not normal things that normal people do. <laughs> That's so true. It's good. <laughs> so did you say you just went to therapy for the first time two or like three years three ago? Three years ago, yeah. And that's when you started to realize yeah. how much help you could have used Yeah, yeah. right I, after the baby. What triggered the therapy, interestingly enough, it wasn't the suicide or the heroin overdose. It was that my daughter, May, who we've been talking about actually after the suicide struggled severely so I started taking her to counseling and then when the hero it was yeah it's just it was May's depression that got me to a place where I realized that it wasn't May's depression it was a family cycle we had set up and we're continuing to support so I think that was really powerful for me to finally recognize that this is a system this isn't a person, this isn't a child with a problem or a mom with a problem or a dad with a problem. It was a system mm-hmm. with a problem. And when we started addressing it like that, things started to get a lot better. That's awesome. And do you feel like your, all of your children have seen a difference in themselves just from your example of taking care of yourself? Do you feel like that's kind of set off a domino for them, for May, for... I hope so. I hope so. I have talked to all of them since I split. And since at one point, one of my daughters said, it's like my old mom is back. So that was kind of nice to hear. So before I got married the second time, I think I was, that's, that was probably the happiest time period in my life. After my first marriage ended and before my second marriage, my girls and I were kind of like this little club and we'd go to the museum and go to the play and go for a walk and play naiads and dryads up and down center street in Provo. And (laughs) And then I got married again and things got all, and I split into work mom and home mom again and, and they knew it. I guess I just never, I never realized how much it impacted everybody in the system, but it did impact them a lot. And they're doing, I'm so proud of them for the steps that they're taking to recover from the injuries that occurred to them in that situation. They're, mm-hmm. they're doing great. I am so proud of all four of them. That's awesome. What do you do? whether it's daily or whatever, what do you do for yourself to feel better? What's like, you know, meditation, things yeah. like that. What's something you do to take care of yourself? Mm, that is a great question. Um, I have a list of things I'm going to do to take care of myself. And my therapist <laughs> keeps yelling at me to do. <laughs> but I am, I took a new job. That was one big step to take care of myself. My old job was very, very stressful. I took a new job that was much, much better situation for me. And it has... Uh, a shift that allows me every other Friday off. 
So that Friday is my Friday. So I went and got a massage for the first time in years. And I went and got my nails done for the first time in years. And so, yeah, I am starting to take time to address, to even acknowledge that I have needs. And I think that's a big step forward. Next step is I'm going to go take a stained glass class. (gasps) That's awesome. That's really cool. So giving yourself stuff to look forward to that's just for you. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And you mentioned that you enjoy meditation. Do you meditate? I try. It's, <laughs> yeah, life is so busy. Right. If I have five minutes down, and I, I discovered a new thing that also really helps. I got one of these little watch things. Oh, yeah. It will actually tell me if I'm stressed. Wow. Really? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It, if I start to get stressed and my heart rate goes up, it'll actually like buzz my arm, like, hey. And I look down and look at it, it says breathe. So whenever it does that to me, I try and find a quiet place at work and take five minutes and just breathe. So that's right now. That's my meditation. I'll get to a better, higher practice later in life. No, sometimes (laughs) that's all you need. Yeah, that's awesome. Just even that like awareness that you just need to step back for a second Mm -hmm. and just take some deep breaths. Mm -hmm. Um, A question I have for you is, do you feel like you've forgiven yourself? Oh, what a hard question. Sylvia, that's my therapist. Don't listen. Um, (laughs) Not quite yet, but I am really actively working on it. Is there different levels of it? Yeah. Maybe certain levels that you have, some that you haven't, or just all together? Yeah. Um, I know I can't help the physiology of it, so I think I've gotten past that part of it. But there's still parts of the codependency and the relationship with my ex-husband that I feel very, very responsible for. I should have realized what was going on. And I really did live in my little fantasy world where if it wasn't the way I wanted it, I just pretended like it was going to be and slapped a happy label on it and said, it's fine. It's Mm -hmm. fine. It's fine. Really, it's fine. And just kept going and that was a terrible example to set for my daughters to not be able to acknowledge my own negative emotions to not be able to acknowledge my stress to not be I until very recently I couldn't even acknowledge when I was angry Mm. I had to find other euphemisms for the word angry to talk to my teenage daughter about why she shouldn't leave her dishes out in the kitchen (laughs) because it's like I can't be angry with anybody at saying that means something's wrong Mm -hmm. so yeah there are levels I'm working on it that's amazing. Mm. I love your honesty with that, really. Because <laughs> I think everybody kind of just, especially with social media, but we, we do want to put our best foot forward mm-hmm. and seem like we, we're okay. and Put on a happy face for yeah. everyone. Yeah. Especially as a mom. Yeah, but it's, I think my dysfunction caused me to put on that happy face and believe it was real. Mm-hmm. It was very strange to kind of crawl out of the glass bubble I had been living in and look around and see the actual devastation in the personal lives of those close to me and realize that it had been happening all along while I was in the bubble. But I was just looking through the glass thinking, oh, look, this is getting better. And oh, look, that's getting better. And oh, look, he does this so well. And oh, look, she does this so well. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. But sometimes everything's not fine. And we have to be okay to look at not fine. And that's really hard. That is hard. It takes bravery to do that, really. Um, I know that there's women out there that are listening to this right now that don't have the support of a spouse or a partner or a husband yeah. and feel probably similar to how you felt very alone in that. What would you tell them right now? 
there are people probably reaching out to support you right now that you are ignoring. So reach out to them and let them help you. You really don't have to do it all alone. I wish I would have reached out and grabbed hold. There were a number of people who came along and said, you could use some help. This isn't right. This isn't normal. Are you sure this is what you want? And I didn't listen to any of them because I was still in my little bubble thinking, oh, it's fine. They don't know. They just don't know. It's, it's, it's fine. But it's okay for it not to be fine. And it's okay to reach out to someone and have them support you. And if it isn't your spouse, that's a terrible tragedy because it should be. But if it's not, find someone. That's great advice. Anything else you want to share with us? Your baby will forgive you. <laughs> Get help. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Again, I almost feel silly like I'm complaining about something that wasn't no. really significant. Because I... But... You don't know how many women come here and say that. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. yes. It's not just me. No. Oh, I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I felt the exact same way. Really? And a lot of our guests have felt that same mm-hmm. way. Okay. And that's Good. why a lot of us keep it in. They don't yeah. feel like it's... Sorry, that was <laughs> complaining about uh, in my podcast, uh, my childbirth and having RJ in Canada and how traumatic that was. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like... Oh no, all these people are going to come at me and be like, oh my gosh, that wasn't that bad. Blah, 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 blah. But like, I don't, I, I apologize for it, I think even in mine, but it's like, we shouldn't have to apologize for that because mm-hmm. what's trauma to me is different than trauma for you. And yeah. it was trauma for me and it was uncomfortable and scary and different than my normal. Yeah. And I didn't have the tools chemically or whatever to know any different. So it felt selfish now for me to even share it because I was like, there's kids that go leave the hospital without a baby. And I, I left with a healthy baby, so I felt so ungrateful to share my trauma. Mm-hmm. But in reality, that's why we don't share. That's why we're doing this podcast, because that shame and that guilt mm-hmm. and that feeling of alone is what so many people feel until yeah. they hear a story like yours, Mary, where mm-hmm. they're like, oh my gosh, yes, yes, I felt that way. Thank you for saying that. I'm not alone. It's not selfish. It's not vain. Like, well, thank you for saying don't that. Don't apologize for that. Cause okay, then I have one more thing to say. Yes. Little babies are boring and don't feel guilty if you think they're boring. (laughs) You are not the only one that feels that way. (laughs) You can love a little baby and still think it's boring. Okay. (laughs) I love you guys. Thanks for your work. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. If you feel like you can relate and would be open to share your story with us, please email us at risingphoenixpodcast at gmail.com. For more information on local and national resources for pregnancy and postpartum health, visit www.postpartum.net or www.psiutah.org. We are recording from the Stone Sheba Podcast Studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and others. Thanks for listening.